Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Reading Materials podcast, where two friends get together every couple of weeks to talk about a book or series of books. My name is Lucia, and my name is Corey. And I think today's episode marks our one-year anniversary. So happy anniversary, Corey! Happy anniversary! Oh, it's so exciting! <laughs> our little podcast is one year old. Yeah, how wonderful!、Uh, I can't remember. I think this is like episode twenty-eight or something. Twenty-seven? No, twenty-six.、Mm-hmm. This is the official episode twenty-six. We've had a few that have snuck themselves in there, but <laughs> it's it's it sort of makes sense because fifty-two divided by you know two is twenty-six halfway. Oh, oh, our math is still as good as ever, Corey. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm so glad I'm an accountant. Ah, <laughs>、uh, yeah. Wow, what a year! What a year it has been, indeed. It's not too bad, really, for、mm. something we didn't think would really get off the ground. <laughs> nope. And now we have a schedule that goes to the end of no, to the middle of. Oh blimey! To October twenty? No, I'm making up. It's the middle of next year. To the middle of I next year. I just had an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, madness. Madness. Yeah. In fact, I scheduled our two-year anniversary episode. Yes, you did. Yes, I see it here <laughs> in front of me. We have、uh, a lot of a lot of books to get through. A lot of.、Mm. Interesting things will be happening on the podcast. I am excited. Yeah, yeah. So for the next season, is it the next season? Yes, we are going to try and do relatively new books,、mm-hmm. and then for the next season after that, the earliest book was published in seventeen twenty two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we are going old. Oh yes, <laughs> should be very interesting. <laughs> yeah, really interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. So it's been a few weeks since we recorded.、Mm-hmm. Has anything happened? Um, the most exciting thing is we went on a road trip with Andreas because we had a four. Day weekend here for St. Patrick's Day, so、mm-hmm. we went and we drove along the west coast of Ireland called the Wild Atlantic Way, and it is just、mm. stunning. Had a really nice time. We got really lucky with the weather as well. I don't know how it's been in the UK, but here it's been just beautiful for the past week. So very happy.、Mm. Good.、You? I I I mean I would not know what the weather has been like because I have literally. Been in bed since the last time we spoke, pretty much.、Mm-hmm. And if we had tried to record last week, I would have had a very, very unruly voice. <laughs> <laughs> It would have been like you know Phoebe in Friends when she's got the cold and her voice、yeah. goes all husky and sexy. That would have been me last week. So <laughs> I just have to imagine it. But yeah, I've not been very well. I think I think it's a global freshers' flu out there. Mm. You go outside. You don't catch COVID because we've been inoculated or whatever. Although I think a lot of people still are, but then you also start to catch all of the other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 
really hoping we didn't get anything because we stayed in a hotel and we had breakfast in the hotel and all that. Mm. So I'm I'm just hoping yeah. we're okay. <laughs> I can pinpoint the second illness that I got to a coffee shop that mm. I met a friend in because I met him there and then three days later we were both sick as dogs and it wasn't COVID because we tested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But anyway, all recovered now. All good. 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 I'm glad to hear it. Good, good, good. Yeah. Yeah, so. It's just funny that you that you say that in a kind of segue way about feeling unwell. Yeah. Because it, True. you know, it kind of ties into the book that we're discussing today, so. Very, very well indeed. Why don't you mm-hmm. tell us what we're reading? <laughs> so today's episode is about a book called Never Let Me Go by Katsuo Ishiguro. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Better than I would have done. I picked the book and I picked it because it's been on my shelf since God knows when, 2009, 2010 maybe? It's the book that has the Oh the my movie goodness, the film adaptation. Blimey, O'Reilly. I know. So, and that came out in 2010, which I think is when I bought it. Yeah, mm, so. I've I'm not seen the film, actually. Neither have I. So, I don't know if I'll watch it after no. having read the book now, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. So, shall I tell you a little bit about the author? Yes. So, wait, wait, yes, Yes. we are going to be doing spoilers, is that the right word? Yes, absolutely, yes, you're absolutely right. There will be spoilers throughout this episode, do not carry on from this point onwards if you do not want the book to be spoiled, although although it has been out for nearly 20 years, so where have you been? But uh, (laughs) yes, there will be spoilers for Never Let Me Go. From this point onwards. Yes. Very true. Thank you for saying that. You're welcome. So, the author, Katsuo Ishiguro, uh, was born in 1954. He was born in Japan, but moved to Britain in 1960 with his parents. So, he is a British national. And is apparently one of the most celebrated authors writing in English, as Mm. it turns out. He won the Nobel Prize in Literature in 2017, which I did not know. And he studied at the University of Kent and the University of East Anglia. From what I gather, his first couple of books were taking place in Japan, but then he kind of switched to writing about events taking place in the United Kingdom. So this book itself also takes place in the UK. Not really sure Ooh. what else to say. He's won a whole load of other prizes apart from the Nobel Prize. Um, the Booker Prize for The Remains of the Day, which came out in 1989. I think some of his works have been adapted into movies, just like this one was back in 2010. So, yeah, he's doing pretty well for himself. And... yeah. I don't know if you saw this, but as I note, as I was Googling him 10 minutes ago, the first thing that comes up is a news story saying that he passed away yesterday. And I was like, he oh my God. He didn't pass away yesterday. But he didn't. I know. It's a oh, hoax. No, it, was, 
it, it was in Ireland as well. You you dirty Irish people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so weird. I saw that as well. I was I was like, what? We couldn't be doing a more topical book if we tried. Oh no, wait. I mean, it kind of is still topical, but not for the same reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. I know. Thankfully, yeah. he is yeah. alive and well. <laughs> yes, and he um, he has a family. One of his daughters is a published author as well. I think she's published a book of short stories. Mm-hmm. And there was something else that I read. Uh, it wasn't on. It was on in some article about basically his works have been likened to sort of classic novels so Fahrenheit 451 and you know George Orwell and all of that and whenever anybody says that to his face he's just like now what are you talking about don't be ridiculous (laughs) so he sounds he seems like a fairly down-to-earth guy he published his most recent book in 2021 yeah I think that's Clara and the Sun yes yeah um yeah but an all-round interesting fellow I believe Mm mm-hmm yes indeed And I think one of the other things that struck me, again, I think it was an interview that I read that he'd given, Mm -hmm. um, where he said that he, because he moved here when he was so young, he is basically British, but he grew up in a culture that was obviously Japanese because his parents were Japanese. And so at home they had their Japanese way of living. They probably ate very Japanese food, watched TV that was very culturally not British Mm -hmm. and I had like real flashbacks to how growing up here was for us because obviously we moved here when we were relatively young Mm -hmm. but things at home I mean even now you know if there is no rain doesn't matter what day of the year it is my father will put a a barbecue on which we call a braai Mm -hmm. and you know all of those sorts of things that we never watch the same tv as everybody so there's quite often like i'll be talking about stuff and and people in britain who grew up here will be like what did you grow up in america because i think i watched a lot of american tv i think you did as well didn't you yeah absolutely 100 yeah Yeah, so yeah i'm i feel fond of this man that i didn't know much about before today and will never meet so Hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. there we go well and actually the book that we're talking about today is apparently on time magazine's list of the 100 greatest english language novels Mm, interesting and it came out in 2005 2005 yeah yep lovely would you like to read us the blurb and then we shall i will read us the blurb from goodreads i think that's a better one than the one that's on the back of my book so here we go Never Let Me Go by Katsuo Ishiguro. Hailsham seems like a pleasant English boarding school, far from the influences of the city. Its students are well-tended and supported, trained in art and literature, and become just the sort of people the world wants them to be. But, curiously, they are taught nothing of the outside world and are allowed little contact with it. Within the grounds of Hailsham, Kathy grows from schoolgirl to young woman, 
but it's only when she and her friends Ruth and Tommy leave the safe grounds of the school, as they always knew they would, that they realize the full truth of what Hailsham is. Never Let Me Go breaks through the boundaries of the literary novel. It is a gripping mystery, a beautiful love story, and also a scathing critique of human arrogance and a moral examination of how we treat the vulnerable and different in our society. In exploring the themes of memory and the impact of the past, Ishiguro takes on the idea of a possible future to create his most moving and powerful book to date. Very good. Shall we begin with our star ratings? We shall. So I gave it four stars. Mm-hmm. Okay. What did you give it? I gave it a solid three stars. Three stars? Yes. Very good. Am I correct in thinking that this is the second time that you've read this? Yes. And I think that had a huge impact on how I viewed it. Okay. Because there are elements of this book that I have taken with me in my life since I read it. I couldn't tell you when I first read it. I don't know. It, probably at least 10 years ago. Um, but more than that, I can't say. And I think the description of Kathy driving around the countryside um, to be a carer has stuck with me since I read it because there's quite often, especially when we're around Will's parents' place where we're driving through fields or, you know, through rural areas and I suddenly sort of have this weird thing where I'm like, oh, it's like that book that I read once and I didn't know that it was that book or mm-hmm. this book until, obviously, I read it again. Mm-hmm. So I think it gets four stars from me because I enjoyed it more than I might have done having the context and knowing the spoiler, I suppose, when I first started. But as amazing as I think it is in terms of a literary achievement and all that jazz, I didn't enjoy it. It's not a book that is a comfortable, light read. Mm -hmm. So that's why it didn't get five stars. Okay. So for me... As I said, I've had it for 12 years now on my shelf, and I knew that the movie existed, but I haven't seen it. But I think I'd seen the trailer for it, or was somehow aware of what it was actually, what the book was actually about. So I don't know if I had gone into it completely blind, if I would have had a, a different experience, if it really was a huge revelation you know, what's going on in the background. But because I knew it wasn't really shocking in any way, I enjoyed parts of it, but overall, it I found myself kind of drifting away from the story, kind of getting distracted by other things, which doesn't always happen when I'm reading. So I think for that reason, it's just kind of average for me. Mm. But like I said, there were things that I liked, but mm-hmm. it didn't grip me. Yeah. I think that's kind of... That is how I feel about it as well. Mm-hmm. And and the main reason I think it's getting a higher rating than it might have done otherwise is because I can really see... Like, it really made me think about some things, which not a lot of books do. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. 
while also hating it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe I haven't had time to actually absorb it because I did, as always, finish it five minutes before I called you. I really should stop doing that. Like, it does touch upon a lot of serious issues, but I'm not sure how original those things are. It feels like I've seen this before, this kind of story or the concept behind the characters. So in that sense, I don't know. It wasn't groundbreaking, if that makes sense. But it did make me think and it did make me remember my own childhood or like my own school days and trying to think, okay, well, you know, who would I have been in that kind of situation? Am I more like Ruth or am I more like Kathy? Mm. Do I know any character? Do I know people in my life who are Ruth's or Kathy's or Tommy's and this kind of thing? So, yeah, I think, I think one of the things that I really struggled with is that I didn't particularly like Kath or Ruth or Tommy. Mm hmm. Like, none of them have anything that's particularly endearing about them. Yeah. I'm I'm much the same. Like, Ruth, I think, is my least favorite. And I think she's supposed to be. I think she's written in yes. that way. <laughs> yeah. But, my God. Like... she's She is a nightmare. Yeah. And... Kath grows on me after a while. But I find her to be a bit of a... I don't want to say wet blanket, but I, you know, if you know what I mean, the kind of a, she doesn't really seem to have much of her own personality. She's always kind of in Ruth's shadow, kind of does whatever anybody else is doing. And Tommy, I just felt was underdeveloped. Like we don't really find out a lot about him, which is a shame because I think out of the three of them, he was the most interesting. Yeah, definitely. He was definitely like just under I think underdeveloped is is a really good word he had no substance Mm. whereas he really could have done like I think yeah yeah which was really a shame and I I didn't appreciate the way that both Kath and Ruth treated him throughout the book yeah Um, especially Ruth by the end of their relationship I thought she was just being really quite cruel yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think I really disliked Ruth. Kath, I I think as a study of somebody who is in complete denial about something is a really, really interesting character because she's a carer. So the way that the world, this world works is that you are... They're all clones, and they've been bred to donate their organs to other people who... To real people who mm-hmm. need them. Mm-hmm. And so they they go through life donating their organs until they complete, a.k.a. die, and therefore can donate the rest of themselves to whatever. And so Kath is one of the carers because you... you you grow up, you become a carer of the people who are currently donating and eventually you become a donor. And Kath is throughout the book labelled as a really, really good donor. Uh, carer, sorry. Mm-hmm. She's labelled as a really good carer because she sees it as her duty to make the people who are donating 
as comfortable as possible and you know to make the whole process as not pleasant but as un um, i don't know as oh le- least distressing as possible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the reason she can do that is because she knows that she will one day complete, which is the euphemism for dying. But she just refuses to engage with it. Even to the point where when Tommy is starting to do what I think is his most interesting thing as a character, which is say to Kath when she's caring for him towards the end of the book, actually, I, you don't understand, you don't know because you're not a donor, so you can't, you just can't have any idea what it's like. And he starts to distance himself from her for that reason. Even then, she's sort of just a bit like, oh, well, you know, whatever. Like, that's just Tommy. Just, I don't know, like, it's a bit upsetting, but it's really unfair because how can he say that to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think from that point of view, like, as a person who is sticking her head in the sand and focusing so hard on being a really good carer so she doesn't have to think about something that's coming next... It's a really interesting character study of human behavior. That's fascinating. I hadn't thought of her like that at all, but everything you say rings true and I can find no no fault in your argument. And I think it's probably a really good interpretation of her character. I suppose, again, maybe I just hadn't thought about it in too much depth. I didn't think that she was sticking her head in the sand or, you know, just being in denial about everything that happens. Or at least that's not the way I read it, but I completely agree with you. Yeah. The, so I think one of the things, when I first read it in Bunny Ears, it was on Audible, so obviously I still had it in my Audible account. Mm-hmm. But I did actually go and buy a copy of the book that day that I caught the illness. <laughs> and... um so I had both and I was sort of like if I had if I had a moment to read I was sitting down and reading the book but then I was sort of bridging the gap with the audible stuff especially because I was unwell and I was sort of lying in bed and this that and the other and the the narrator I couldn't tell you who it is but she uses a really childish voice for Kath which oh, okay. really highlights to you how almost naive she is like the way that she hero worships um Ruth in some ways and also like there's obviously supposed to be some big feeling for Tommy from Kath's point of view but when Ruth says to her I want to get back together with Tommy she just goes along to Tommy and says well Ruth wants to get back together with you and doesn't really think about what she thinks about the whole thing Mm -hmm. so I think maybe having the audio narration helped me into that interpretation might be i mean like i said i agree with everything that you highlighted and Mm. i think i completely agree with that she behaves like i think a lot of people would behave in that situation definitely how i would probably deal with something like that just try not to think about it focus on something else until it's absolutely absolutely necessary for you to engage in a conversation about whatever the topic is that you 
are just hoping that nobody will ever bring up. I think I it is uh, there's a moment when they're in the cottages so after they've left Hailsham and they go to this other place which is obviously where they go, the clones go once they've graduated but because they don't have any career other than to be carers for each other and then to be donors they just go and spend a few years chilling at, at the cottages or somewhere that they get sent to and it's quite interesting there because Ruth starts to mimic the older students what are they called the the, the veterans? veterans yeah the veterans and and then Kath is questioning her and being a bit a bit like well why don't you you know why don't you actually think about this thing that's happening like why are you making stuff up why are you designing this world that you want it to be and then later on you've got Kath being the one who is just like, oh, well, I'll just carry on to the donations and we'll have a lovely time sitting on Ruth's balcony drinking mineral water while she's busy dying. <laughs> and meanwhile, Tommy's telling me, you're not like me, you don't understand because you're not a donor. And mm. she sort of takes Ruth's place. I guess I just kind of saw it as, I don't really know what I, how I saw it. I can completely see what Tommy is saying that on some level, even though she's in it every day as a carer, she doesn't know what they're going through because she hasn't gone through that yet. So, of course, there is a level of, yes, Ruth will understand because Ruth is a donor. Ruth has gone through these operations and she has had to recover from them, just like Tommy is doing. But I suppose because she does kind of say, because, I mean, the whole book is written through through Kath's point of view, and it's just her inner monologue and her memories of everything. So she does say that she was aware, like she could predict that this is where this was going, that Tommy would, wouldn't want her to be his carer until the very end. So I think she is aware of everything, but mm -hmm. perhaps just doesn't look at things too closely. Yeah. Which is kind of relatable. Like I'm kind of like that. You know, yeah. I'm I'm aware of all the horrible things happening in the world, but I I don't want to interact with it too much because then you just You've got to get through the day. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think I think she already has to go through so much stuff as a carer. Like I can't imagine what kind of strain that puts on her. Mm. Also with the knowledge that in a few years this this will be her this fate be her. as well. Yeah. Um and at least, you know, She's one of the best carers, but who can guarantee that her carer will be any good? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Let's take a bit of a step back, because we've yes. sort of dived straight into the endgame. <laughs> what did you think of the beginning of the book? What did I think of the beginning? Um, I... It got a little bit confusing for me, all the jumping around. I don't think it worked well for me this time around. Like I've read books that are written like this before where you kind of jump from scene to scene kind of foreshadowing something that's going to happen but then oh but before I tell you about that let me go back a few weeks so that you get the context. But I think because it was happening so much in this book I got really confused as to okay what age are we now? Why are we jumping back to when we were eight when in fact we're 12? So 
In terms of the writing style, I kind of struggled with it at the beginning. In terms of the story, I liked it. It's not anything that I've ever experienced because I've never been in a boarding school, which is what this is supposed to be. So I don't know how realistic it is. Maybe you have a better view of that. But in terms of like relationships between kids, between students, the changes that those relationships go through as you grow older, I think was really well written. So I like those elements. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely, uh, I think, one of the things that I wrote down uh, when when Ruth and Kathy are really small, I think it's maybe the first interaction that they have is that Ruth comes up to Kathy and says, oh, would you like to ride my horse? And then, you know, she's she's telling Kathy about all these horses and saying, oh, well, you can't ride this one because he's too dangerous and this, that and the other. And then they go galloping through the fields with their horses and they're going up and down a fence or a wood or something. I did that at boarding school. My best friend and I used to ride our imaginary horses up and down the gum trees near the playground. Um, And, you know, all of those various little bits about your collection. Uh, The boarding school that I went to, it was stuff that came from the outside. It wasn't, you know, you weren't buying other people's art. Mm -hmm. But... But all of it really touched a nerve. And I say touched a nerve because I didn't enjoy boarding school at all and my children will not be going to boarding school. (laughs) But it was really well written from that, like, experience point of view. I think I missed the fact that it was really abnormal. So... The veterans, when they go to the to the cottages, mm-hmm. are really like, oh my goodness, you come from Hailsham, as are, Kathy then talks about some of the donors that she's caring for, also saying, oh, well, you went to Hailsham. And I think I did not understand that it wasn't the norm. Mm-hmm. This This is like, at other institutions around the country, clones got treated like something not human mm-hmm. and the whole point of Hailsham was to try and prove that they should be treated better because they do have you know they are still human even though they're clones yep. and I didn't understand that really mm-hmm. I only understood it once I'd read around a bit before we you know before now oh so you didn't you didn't understand that from the book itself Mm-mm. No, I I sort of got that there was a there was a bit of a scandal, but I didn't. I guess I just didn't. Um, I was more focused on the other thing that they discover there because the whole point is they go and they see their old teachers or Miss who was it Miss uh, Miss Emily mm-hmm. and Madame who yeah. are the two people who ran. Hailsham, by all accounts. And um, the reason they do that is because apparently there's a rumour that if you're in love, you can get your donations deferred so that you can spend more time with the person that you're with. So Kathy and Tom, me, go to try and get that. And so I think I was more busy thinking about the fact that that was obviously not true mm-hmm. than I was really paying attention to the fact, to the big reveal that was... 
Mm. Other places weren't like this. Mm. And it was an experiment that failed. Like, mm-hmm. I got it, but I didn't really get it. Okay, interesting. Because from that scene where she's where Miss Emily is basically explaining everything, that is, I suppose, the main thing that I focused on. I, it was obvious to, I think it was obvious to me from the beginning that it was just a rumor. There's no chance that they will actually, you know, get the deferral. Um, but yeah, the explanation of how Hailsham and I think there were two more schools that were um, being run in the way that Hailsham was being run, where I suppose, what would we call it, artistic tendencies were being um, fostered, fostered, yes, uh, treating the students like normal children, more or less. Yeah, I kind of got that this was different from all the others, because then why else would it have been so special to everybody else? You know, why would everybody else be in awe of the fact that Kath is from Hailsham or jealous of the fact that that's where she came from? Mm. Um, I can't make up my mind if it was a good thing what they did or I mean I mean yes right it was a good thing it should have probably continued on yeah I guess the question more is the big um dilemma or I don't know the big question at the end of the book that Tommy is dealing with is should they have been told from the beginning even from when they were children, what their life was actually going to be like. Mm. Because there was one teacher, Miss Lucy, who was of the opinion that they should be made fully aware of the fact that as donors, they will not lead normal lives. They will not be able to get a job. All they will do is basically live out their life and after a few years... Donate yeah. their organs. And yeah, eventually they'll grow die. to a point where their organs are large enough that they can be taken from them and put into other adults. And yes, that's the whole point in their lives. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Whereas everybody yeah. else was like, whereas all the other teachers didn't want to tell them everything. So yeah, they all knew that they were donors, but they I don't think they fully understood what that meant. Yeah. It, you know, realistically. Yeah. I think I think this is one of the reasons why I I couldn't ugh. see there's even a part of me that is now like, oh, maybe this should be a five-star book for me. Mm-hmm. Because I think ugh, it's written in the first person by mm-hmm. Kathy. Mm-hmm. And so from the very beginning of the book, Almost until that scene with Miss Emily and Madame, where the big reveal happens, you are just in complete sympathy with Kathy, Ruth and Tommy and all of their other, you know, I don't know what we call them, the clones, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And and then you have this confrontation where it turns out that actually these two incredible people were trying to prove to the rest of the world that they had souls and that they were able 
that they should be treated as normal human beings because, to all intents and purposes, that is what they are. And you had Miss Lucy, who was really, really struggling... She couldn't be around them anymore, basically, because she it was it was completely tearing her apart that these were just ordinary children that they were growing to love as you would if you were a teacher of small children. You know, you don't go into being a primary school teacher (laughs) if you don't love small children. Mm -hmm. And that's what they were up to the point that they were no longer primary school age. And. Then you suddenly find out that the three plus all of the others are other in this society. It's set in the 1980s, 1990s, but in today's world, they would be the Ukrainian refugees or, you know, the, I I don't know, any of the marginalised people that Mm -hmm. if you see them walking in the street you have no idea that they're completely different to you Mm -hmm. but then when you find out oh they're a clone it's like immediate disgust like oh they're a refugee immediate disgust oh they're gay oh no i don't i don't want to i don't want to know you because you're not part of my belief system or oh you're not a christian whereas i'm a diehard you know yeah so yep. I think that I think that's partly where the power comes from because there are no human clones that we know of now. And yes. so he yeah, quite. He's managed to take something and mm-hmm. remove all of those other prejudices that we as humans have built into us from day one and thrown it into these characters where until you find out that they're clones, you're a little bit at a loss as to what the story's actually about because you're like, oh, there's just three kids in a in a boarding school and they're just chilling, living their lives and there's obviously some mystery, but, you know. And I, I don't think there are many novels that manage to do that because even when it's something like The Vanishing Half, which we read at the beginning of this season that's very clearly got to focus on transgender rights and black rights and mm-hmm. women's rights. And you can't just, even if you just look at how angry we got about women's rights, let alone, you know, Black Lives Matter in that episode, because we can't emotionally remove ourselves from that. Whereas we are not clones. We will never be clones. We will hopefully, or, you know, in theory, never meet clones. And so it just... It just takes those emotions and presents it in a much more uh, impartial way. Mm -hmm. And then you're suddenly going, yeah, why do we treat people the way we do? Mm. It's, It's one of the things that just drives me absolutely crazy. Like you were saying earlier on, you don't necessarily want to engage with all the bad stuff because you have to get through your day. I think I'm very similar to you. And it's because I do get so angry, like Mm. I'm getting right now, about the fact that there is nothing different about any of us. Yeah. And I just find it so difficult to be like, why why can't people, like, understand that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I completely agree with everything that you've just said. I think maybe the reason that I feel a little bit disengaged from this particular aspect of the book maybe is because I wish it had been better explained. You know, we get some of the background about advances in science after World War II, and that's when this whole cloning kind of started as a way of treating diseases. But I wish it had been better explained, or I wish that maybe the characters had had more contact with the outside world so that we could actually see how other people react when they interact with them. But because we don't get any of that, it's really hard mm -hmm. to actually view them as marginalized or see them as as other because as you've said if you take that out they are just three kids yeah but maybe that's up. the point maybe that's I, the point yeah maybe i don't know i just <sighs> i found it a little bit lacking mm. like it didn't no, really I, evoke I, yeah that much I completely yeah <laughs> well i not i'm not gonna lie while I was reading the book, I wasn't, I, it wasn't one of those books that I was like, well, I need the loo, but I'm going to read for five minutes more because I can't bear to put the book down. Mm -hmm. It's, it's only afterwards when I've, uh, bearing in mind that I finished it yesterday and it was also the second time I read it. Mm. The more I've thought about it, the more I've been like, God, like, I think there's just things inside it that really speak to me on a sociological level not on a liter literary level mm, mm -hmm. which make me appreciate it more than I might have if it was a rom-com you know mm. yeah yeah I mean it might just be that because we've maybe it is because I feel like it's quite similar to other things so like if I had read it when it came out in 2005 if this is the first book of its kind that I'd ever read, maybe I would have been like, oh my God, this is revolutionary, which I feel like probably it was at the time. Otherwise, it wouldn't have won all the awards that it, it won. But because we've read other books like this with a similar message, I think it just fell a little bit short this time. Yeah. Because like you yeah. said, we, we read the book about invisible women, which was all about yeah. sexism. We read yeah. The Vanishing Half. We read The House in the Cerulean Sea, which I felt was also kind of similar, you know, mm. people being against people they consider other. And mm. I mean, this theme always, it comes up a lot in stories. Yeah. So maybe I've just gotten maybe a little bit desensitized Jaded. because because in this particular book, we don't actually experience that in any way or the characters don't experience it. It's just kind of yeah. this peripheral thing of, yes, we're different, but maybe it would have hit harder if I had actually seen someone being. Yeah, I guess the closest you against get to them. it. Yeah, the closest you get is when it's the like there's Ruth's the per the person that Ruth could possibly have been cloned from who works in an office and you get this whole thing about how much Ruth wants to work in an office and it's a complete mm. pipe dream because it will never happen. Yeah. But yeah, I th yeah, I agree with you. I think it's classed as science fiction, 
But actually, there's not that much science in it. <laughs> no, apart from the fact that they're clones, which is obviously yeah. not anything that we yeah. can do to humans yet. But I mean, I'm sure it's going to happen. I, well, I mean, to be honest, we can do it. We, it is within our scientific capabilities. It's just that morally... Yeah. And that's why we I have. say we don't know if we have actually done it or not, because there's wasn't there a guy in... in I don't want to say what country, because I don't want to just generalise, but... You know, I'm sure that there was some scientist who got into trouble because he had created embryos and then not destroyed them before a certain point and therefore they were considered to have potentially have had life that he mm. had created. And, you know, then you, you do step into this really weird territory, which we just, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, although that does bring to mind... Another thing that I just remembered, again, oh, the big reveal at the end, the reason that Hailsham fails, or it, no, it doesn't fail. The reason that Hailsham is shut down is because of a controversy that happens around cloning. The fact that there was this scientist who was considering cloning people with, or like making special babies you know who have like either higher intelligence or are blonde you know so you start getting into this genetic engineering and you know what's okay to be genetically modified what's not okay to be genetically modified so maybe in that sense that's more why it's kind of science fiction because it is asking those questions of you know how far is too far if it's just we're cloning because we want to cure diseases, that's acceptable. But if we're cloning because I want my baby to have blonde hair and blue eyes, that's that's not really. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I suppose yeah, it is it is interesting. And maybe I wish I had read it when it came out. Because when it came out was what, seventeen years ago? God. So I would have been 15. Mm. It would have actually been around the time that I was reading uh, Brave New World, which, okay, I have very hazy memories of it, but it seems kind of similar to this. Mm. So maybe, I don't know. We yeah, <laughs> it is It is quite similar. I think, I think one of the things that I feel makes this slightly different maybe to others, and by the way, can we appreciate that this is the first time we've had like a real sort of not disagreement, but difference of opinions on something, <laughs> which I'm I'm kind of loving and kind of hating. But <laughs> but I think um I think one of the things about Brave no about this novel in comparison to Brave New World is in Brave New World, it is ge genetic engineering where they're given certain traits depending on what their role is to be within society, mm -hmm. whereas here. It is literally just organ harvesting that is going on. It's not like you're going to fulfill a role in making a better society for everybody, mm. whatever whatever the better society is. But but you are literally your job is to make somebody else live for longer than you are going to live, essentially, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I think is 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 really. I think it's it's almost I I don't know that I have experienced that idea 
in many other ways. I mean, I you sort of have in like if you think about the Matrix, there are they're harvesting humans for their energy or whatever. Whereas here, it's it's humans harvesting other humans. I know now why it, what it reminds me of. There is a movie that came out in two thousand and five called The Island, and it is. Yep. It is about clones, or they call them surrogates here in in this movie, but it is the exact same thing. The idea there is that there is a really rich person in the, let's call it the real world, and they have decided to clone themselves, and that clone or surrogate lives on the island, and it's specifically for, for them, because it's the exact same person. So if anything happens to you in the real world, you can then harvest the organs from your specific clone. Came out the same year as this book. So, and I've seen Matt. that movie. So I think maybe that's why I was like, I've seen this before. Like, but okay. It obviously, it, I'm not saying that it was. No, no, but, that's, that's so interesting. So maybe it was also because I, I didn't fully understand how they were cloning who were they cloning from and who were they cloning for? So as in, could the organ be given to anyone or was it given to the person they were cloned from? Does that make sense? Because this is never really explained. So maybe because I studied biomedical engineering and I am a scientist and these things do interest me, I kind of wish that there was more science in the science fiction book. <laughs> um, Because these are really fascinating questions. And I mean... You also did, a, you know, a similar thing. Tissue engineering, growing organs, like these are all things that people are working on. And it's it's amazing, you know, what we can already do. Yeah, so, isn't it? I think we're at the point where we can, we can make small organs, mm -hmm. aren't we? Like mm -hmm. we can, we can create a, we can populate a scaffold of heart that is a heart structure with heart cells and it becomes a heart mm. yeah like it's it's fascinating and yeah that's a side note about science <laughs> but. no but it's it is really relevant and, and there are a lot of people who have said it's not a science fiction novel because that is the only science part of it and the rest mm. of it is really just a, a study of human nature <laughs> mm. Which is a is a completely different kind of science, but then everything's science if you start to really dig into it. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, it's. I think it would be quite interesting. Maybe next time we record, we have a very brief revisit of this, just to see if there's anything of it that has stuck with you, mm -hmm. or if. It's just another book, and actually you're much more, you know, you've sort of read it and moved on. I feel like I will have yeah. read it and moved on, simply because yeah. there's so many other books that I'm reading right now. Um, which might be, you know, the downside of reading so much. Like, you just keep going through them, and it it takes a really special book to stick with you when you're mm. reading so much. Um, but... Talking through it with you now is definitely changing my view of it. Yeah. I'm not it's, sure that uh, I would necessarily change my rating right now, but I mm. definitely gained 
a better appreciation for it. Mm. So well done you, Corey. <laughs> Thanks. It's it is interesting because I before we talked, I really thought I would downgrade my rating of it. But actually I've sort of enjoyed exploring it so much that I think that's where the whole well maybe it's gonna get upgraded. I don't know if like I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I didn't enjoy <laughs> reading it enough. Probably, like mm-hmm. it's not it's it's not a it's not a fun book to read. No, none of the characters are particularly interesting. I didn't find any romantic chemistry with any of them. No. Um. No, I didn't either. But but I found it believable. Like mm. I could completely buy the little love triangle that they were in and actually it's probably one of the best love triangles that I've read like they can be done quite badly and I think a lot of people don't like them but I can I can completely picture this happening in real life like these kinds of friendship dynamics and relationship dynamics two girls one guy they both like the guy the guy likes both of them and then it's like okay so where do we go from here? Like, we're all friends and we have to kind of just mm. deal with it. So I'm sure this yeah. even happened in school between lots of my friends. So, you know, in that sense, I thought it was really good. Mm. I thought the human nature element of it was really good. It was really believable. Yeah. yeah and even the fact that they're all together at the cottage and then eventually Kathy gets so sick of it all that she decides to go off and be a carer. And then mm. they all lose touch until until she becomes care the carer of Ruth and then Tommy, mm. and that that probably is pretty realistic. I think maybe slightly less so these days because we've got Zoom or whatever it is, so we WhatsApp. We do keep in touch with each other more than than in the time period that this talks about. Mm-hmm. But you know, I can fully see myself when I'm older going back to Devon and maybe having a pint with somebody that I went to school with that I was friends with but with life it's just too difficult to keep in touch with everybody yeah exactly and also you know things that were you know so dramatic and like life changing when you were 16 when you're 17 and then it's like, this ruined our relationship, this ruined our friendship, I can never be friends with you again. And then 10 years later, you meet again, and you're like, it just doesn't matter. Like, in yeah. the grand scheme of things, we were silly teenagers, silly kids, but we've grown up now, and we just move on. So, yeah, yeah, those elements were really good. I think they were really well done. Mm. Was there anything that you didn't like, apart from the fact that it was a sad book? Um, uh, yeah, I, I like I say, I really didn't like the characters. I really didn't like the characters, mm-hmm. um, and I really, I really didn't like the I think for something that was that had such a big topic how it really focused on anything but the topic. Mm-hmm. I think you said that 
in not so many words or in I don't know in yeah, many more words. More words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um Yeah, and I and I and it wasn't a, it wasn't compelling. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a page turner. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. That's I think maybe that's also why I kind of struggled with it, and it was like, okay, I really just need to finish this because we're recording the episode. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I would have probably put it down and maybe come back to it later. I no, I don't know. Um, what did you think about the art and the whole concept of? Or their interpretation of the gallery. I I I thought it was really interesting, just in terms of, well, you know, when they're kids, they really place a lot of value on something that they've been told to place a lot of value on, because because their teachers are making them think that this is valuable, and therefore you really focus on it, you know, in much the same way that if you okay, I'm going to use football as my example, believe it or not, but you see you know, children who are fans of their father's football team who burst into tears when the team loses a match. And the only reason the child feels that way is because the father has sort of pushed those emotions onto them. And so I can fully see in the sort of environment that they were in that becoming the most important thing on the planet to them. Mm Mm-hmm. But in terms of what the art was intended to be, which was intended to show the outside world that that they were human and that they were capable of creating stuff, like I didn't really, I didn't really, I didn't really buy it. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'm not educated enough about art. But, you know, the fact that Tommy's not particularly good at art, it doesn't mean he's any more or less of a person. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think I quite struggled with this part, with this storyline. I found it a little bit naive. Well, not a little bit. I found it quite naive, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, And... I found them frustratingly naive in their conviction that if they just present art to the madame, she will believe that they are in love with each other. Like, what? Mm. Like, these are not stupid people. So this, to me, is a stupid interpretation of art. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. So... And sort of even more backed up by the fact that their worth is judged on how many novels they read while they're at the cottages, like how many books can you read in your spare time. But then suddenly, if Tommy draws a few drawings that have nothing to do with feelings for anybody... Yeah, I think maybe this was just not well explained. Maybe if we had had like a comparison between, oh, Tommy is not artistically gifted because he draws elephants, but Laura is artistically gifted because she draws, I don't know, 
tell me what she draws. What makes her a better artist than Tommy at the age of eight? Like, what eight-year-old wouldn't draw an elephant? I I just didn't... Yeah. <laughs> Especially for children who've always been in the same institution from exactly day like zero, they haven't even seen the outside yeah. world or anything. I don't know. I just found that kind of yeah, like yeah. I I don't I don't know what else he could have used to as you know as this kind of device to to show the outside world that they have souls. Yeah, I, I guess know. that I guess that really really says a lot about him as an author and what he values and what he believes shows somebody's soul because obviously to him Maybe. if you are creative whereas you know I think again one of the things that really annoys me the most is that as a society we've decided to put labels on what makes somebody worth something or not and if you can like if you can spray paint some graffiti on a wall that's slightly politically uh i don't know what the word i'm looking for is difficult <laughs> it's not the right <laughs> word but you suddenly become banksy and you can sell a wall for 5 million pounds whereas if you spend 30 years learning fine art but you don't happen to be in the right place at the right time, your worth is deemed... Maybe maybe that was the point. Maybe he was sort of pointing a finger at something that was really subjective and therefore... I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it either. And, and I, I especially don't get it because, like, many people can't draw. That does not mean that they are not artistic and that does not mean that they are not creative. They are just mm. creative in a different way. Maybe Tommy is a re- is really good at pottery, or he's really good at wood carving, maths, or you know, whatever. But because he's never given the opportunity to do that, we will never know. <laughs> he's just being judged on this one thing, which is his ability to draw. Yeah, which, as we find out, he is actually really good at. He just does it differently to everybody else. So. I don't know. I just found that a bit. I think. Uh, I think that's a metaphor for life. There. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Be individualistic. Yes. <laughs> Support <exactly>. individualism. <laughs> um. The other thing that frustrated me because it wasn't explained at all was the cottages. So, as you've already said. They're in Hailsham until they're about, what, 16, 17 years old, maybe? Yeah. And then they graduate, and they're sent off to the cottages. But they don't have any guardians there. Like, there's nobody actually keeping them there. So, my question is, why don't they all just leave? (laughs) I think, from memory, the handyman bloke? Yeah, sure. What's his name? I feel like he was taking a register or something, wasn't he? Like, they had to... Maybe they're so institutionalised by that point that they can't imagine what would possibly happen if Keffer didn't have them on his list. And maybe there's another novel in The Students Who Did Run Away and Who Did Escape. Dunno. Yeah, I. it's, it's a really good... I didn't think too hard about it, again, 
I, I guess I was too wrapped up in God knows something else. I know what I was too wrapped up in. I was busy thinking, God, they were always called, it sounds like me growing up in our house in Devon. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe they just, they say at the beginning, don't they? Like even just going outside the house to the shop or whatever is really scary to them and they can't possibly imagine doing that. But then within a year, maybe they can. Yeah, mm. I don't know. Yeah, because I, I mean, I especially started questioning this when we find out that they that the veterans go on trips, like they go away for a weekend. They go to yeah. Norfolk for you know for a day trip, a whole weekend. But like, so what's <laughs> keeping them from just staying there? Like, even if Keffer is keeping a register, he's one man. If mm. they, if if Kath, Tommy. And Ruth decided one day, oh, I'm going to go on a trip to Scotland. And then they never come back. If they haven't told anyone, how is anyone ever going to find them? Mm. Realistically. And if they are just like everyone else in the sense of they look like non-clones, like in quotation marks, normal humans, then nobody will know that they're different. And then they could just live out their lives the way that they want to. Yeah, you know, it kind of annoys me, like, especially since they do know that they are donors, like on some level, they do understand. But none of them question it and none of them fight against it. Which kind of now that I think about it, I suppose frustrates me about the story that they all just kind of accepted their fate and went along with it. Yeah, I've just done a little Google and I can't see can't see anything i i don't know it is a it is a big unanswered i'm gonna say stockholm syndrome yeah maybe maybe (laughs) maybe, maybe, yeah maybe that is the the metaphor maybe that is what he's trying to say that you just yeah blindly follow your fate sometimes and don't just don't question it even though you have ample opportunity to go away like even ruth uh, not ruth sorry um Kath, even even when she's a carer. Yeah, she still just carries on doing what she's expected yeah. to do. Yeah, with the full knowledge that, oh, at the end of the year, my time is up, I will become a donor, and then I will die. Yeah. So why don't you just leave? Yeah. Tommy is dead. Ruth is dead. Spoiler alert for everyone who hasn't read this and come this far. <laughs> there is nothing keeping her there anymore. See, she you have could... got emotional about this, Lucia. I knew you had it in you. Sorry, what? <laughs> You have got emotional about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I do that's... not know the answer to your question. Maybe we should write to him and ask him <laughs> why didn't they fight against the regime? I suppose that wasn't the po- <laughs> that wasn't the point of this book. <laughs> they weren't leading a revolution. <laughs> Um, yeah maybe yeah they were just kind of accepting their fate weren't they hmm yeah interesting oh i think Mm. i'm gonna think about this for a little while maybe at least a couple of days given that we're recording again next week and i have to start reading another book (laughs) yes yes. um i'm just sorry I, i highlighted a few things in the book and i'm just trying to go back and see if there's anything that we haven't already talked about so, yeah, Ruth, 
She was so problematic all the time. She's always lying. I really didn't like how mean she was. How condescending she was, patronizing towards Tommy when they were in the cottages and she was making fun of his art. The fact that she what, she cut, mm, sweetie, mm, sweetie gums. Like, ugh, give me a yeah. break, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> Really I think like one her. of the uh, one of the other things that I found quite interesting, which was sort of touched on in the title of it, which is "Never Let Me Go," mm-hmm. and the metaphor is that Kathy's imagining having a baby, yes, and you know, dancing with it, and we find out that they cannot have babies, and so all of these relationships are, we are biologically programmed to procreate Mm -hmm. and suddenly that's not something that is part of them and they are pretty obsessed with sex and love Mm -hmm. um so it was it's quite it was something that could have been explored more Mm. i think just in terms of a relationship where it is literally just about the relationship you know that you don't come from anywhere and you know that your line is not going anywhere mm-hmm. um, and yeah I don't know I think it's something that we see a lot more of these days where you can no longer just assume that people are in relationships in order to have babies and move on mm-hmm. um, but I think that's the only other thing that I've got written down that it sort of made me <laughs> made me take a little pause about... Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think they state this quite explicitly in the book. The fact that there is no risk of an unwanted pregnancy means that they treat sex differently. Transactionally, Um, almost. Kind of, yeah. Like, they don't... If I'm in the mood, I will have sex with X person and Mm. we don't need to have an emotional connection. We are just both in the mood to have sex and this is perfectly Mm. fine and it's perfectly acceptable. Nobody makes a big deal out of it, at least not in the cottages anyway. But that Mm. also has to do with the fact that they're a bit older, a bit more mature. So they, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. the hee 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 ha ha teenage kind of. um, Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but it is it is definitely not an accepted cultural thing in the majority of culture. But then if you have a look at other species of primates, I think there have been documented a large number where, you know, like they'll do something, like a monkey will do something for another monkey and they'll have a quick, do a quick reproductive action in payment for whatever it is. I, I think that's bonobo something or the others i don't know exactly what you know i am definitely reading off a memory from many years ago here (laughs) but but it does become a lot more basic Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um the there was one scene i know it's going to be very specific but it's when Ruth, Tommy, and Kath are going to see the boat. So at some point there is this boat that everyone becomes obsessed with because it's run aground or something. 
and everyone wants to go see it. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's the best description. <laughs> <laughs> but suddenly everyone wants to go see this boat. <laughs> so Ruth has already undergone at least one donation. Two. Is it two I've... donations at this point? Maybe she's done one and she's going into her second because she dies not long after the second, doesn't she? I think so, yeah. I think she's done one and she's not recovering very well. Tommy has already gone through two and they haven't seen him in a long time. So this is when Ruth is being cared for by Kath. And they all three decide to go on this trip to go see this boat. And on the way back, Kath and Tommy kind of gang up on Ruth. And they start talking about how she had this dream of working in an office and why didn't she do something about it? You know, why didn't you try? If you really cared about it, you should have tried. And they, I didn't appreciate this kind of treatment of, they no. fully understand why she didn't try. And it kind of reminded me of just kind of real life situations when people will start attacking you for, well, why didn't you do yeah. it that way? If you feel so strongly about it, why don't you go do that? And, like, it's my yeah. own life, let me live it the way I want to live it. Yeah, yeah. and despite not liking Ruth, I did not appreciate that no. behavior towards her. Um, yeah, they had a, they had really problematic relationships. They really did. Yeah, despite the fact that Kath is always talking about how they have these long conversations and they're always talking about something and they're really open with each other, but like they're really mm. petty and they're really... Horrible. Kind of childish and horrible to each other yeah. most of the time. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. Weird. Well, we've talked for a lot longer than I thought we would at the beginning. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to add? There is nothing else. I think. I think I probably, if I thought for long enough, could come up with a billion other things that I wanted to discuss, but I'm fairly comfortable Mm -hmm. with what we have said. Me too, I think. I don't think I have anything else. We've talked about most of it, yeah. Um, There's maybe something in the role of your parent or guardian or teacher or whoever it is that is teaching you how mm-hmm. to live and this is though they've grown up in a society where it's loads and loads of kids to a ratio of adults but again it's just one of those things that it's like a real fringe a real fringe topic where we probably could discuss it forever but it would just be a lot of speculation <laughs> mm. yeah I, actually i didn't i thought that was completely lacking I didn't really see the guardians as anything. Like I didn't even really see them as guardians, to be perfectly honest. No, because all no, most they, were te- of the, they were teachers, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the interactions that they had was purely on a kind of student-teacher level. Yeah, which means that the kids just had no parents at all, and they were just yeah. sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a good point. I. Weird. Yeah. On that note. On that note, indeed. The next time. Mm. We are going in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. It's another reread for me, but I'm very excited about it. Good. We are going to be reading Mort by Terry Pratchett. Is there a reason why you said it so loud? Is it because it's written in because all caps? <laughs> it's written in all caps. 
and it is a feature of the book, as you will discover in ah. the next few days. <laughs> okay, excellent. Very good. Yes, it is one of my favourite books of all time. Oh, oh. And I put it on the list. Well, you'll you'll have to find out next week. Careful, careful. Don't hype it too much. Mm. No, I won't. Pressure now. Yeah. I don't know how much Terry Pratchett you've read. It's a very none. specific style. None. Literally well, hopefully none. I've... And I think this is how it came about. Like, we'll probably talk about it more next time, but I'm going to bring it up now because I remember when we were recording the episode with Jess and you mentioned something about Terry Pratchett and I said, oh, I've never read Terry Pratchett. Yeah. You're like, what? You're right. And I immediately Must was like, right. Immediately. Yeah, so I obviously put my favorite one on the list, which might have been a bad idea, but um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. We'll find out next week on the next episode of Reading Materials, Reading Materials Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Wow. Very excited. Me too. I am going to go recover my voice because I have been shouting with passion a lot, apparently. <laughs> I will go shower and eat dinner. Very good. Well, looking forward to seeing you next time. Yes, I will see you next week to talk about yeah. Mort. Mort. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about us and the podcast, visit our website at readingmaterialspodcast.com. We also publish additional content, including blog posts around the world of books and our thoughts on the topic. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at reading.materials.podcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at readingmaterialspod. Until next time, keep reading.